0: Thank you for joining us on this episode. I have Rob Pilecki, CEO of Washi. Um, we get into that in the episode. Also, we get into his background as an elected official. We're getting here from Aotearoa to Hawaii to ending up in Idaho and getting a football scholarship. So hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Rob Pilecki, uh CEO of Washi. Did I say that right?
1: yep that's
0: correct washi toilet seat washi toilet seat um i know the basic information about rob that's on his linkedin and on his instagram honestly you're only you're the only reason i pay attention to linkedin right now i never okay. really okay. had before because you like have a lot of posts and i like them um okay i'm not a very i'm not very good at linkedin i, I haven't used it too much um so I know the basics that you came from, so you immigrated here from Aotearoa to Hawaii? Yep. What, what age was that? Um,
1: 12 years old. I, uh, I came here um, with my family of six. My parents made the jump from uh, Samoa to New Zealand, and then to Hawaii. And so um, I was born and raised in New Zealand, but uh, kind of grew up my high school years in, in Hawaii.
0: Oh, what what where about in Hawaii did you did you grow up?
1: Uh mace, mostly in uh Kalihi area and Moilua. Uh I went to Rapp High School uh and McKinley High School. So I was a public school kid in the city.
0: Oh, nice. Uh yeah, my family's from uh Laie. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Kind of a similar story. They um they immigrated from uh Samoa to to Hawaii, they lived in La Year for a while and then they ended up in Missouri, in uh, Independence, Missouri.
1: Okay, okay.
0: And then from, uh, how was that transition? So, what, what, you said about 12?
1: Yeah, so 12 years old, uh, you know, I was, so I was in, I was born and raised in South Auckland, New Zealand, uh, in a city called Manurewa. And um, the transition was pretty hard. I, uh, I played rugby league uh, growing up, and so when I came to the States, my freshman year was the first time I ever played football. And, um, you know, I was a big kid. I wanted to always run the ball because um, I played rugby so much. But uh, they, they thought that being an offensive, defensive lineman was the, the spot for me. So a bit of a transition. Um, nobody could understand me because I had a thick New Zealand accent. And then, um, I had to transition into a New Zealand pigeon accent, (laughs) you know, Uh, so really nobody could understand me at that point, but, um, yeah, it was definitely a change of of scenery, change of atmosphere, uh, two different, two really different cultures. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I have, uh, so I've only met them once. I have family in, in, uh, Wellington and they came out to, um, to Missouri because we had a family reunion. And um, they kept on correcting us on our English
1: <laughs> yeah so, uh, you could you can see um, you know people from New Zealand and Australia they have uh, really good English I mean uh, European influence is there um, proper English is used so when I came to the states oh man people didn't understand me
0: <laughs> yeah I've always uh, I've always that's one of the accents that's always been um, been really interesting because uh when um taika watiti did krog i think his name's is krog in and um thor he uh he, mm-hmm. he modeled it off um a samoan uh in new zealand like a bouncer yeah, yeah. and that so you, a, go ahead
1: oh it's it's definitely a, a transition especially as a kid i had to get rid of my accent um my family my brothers and sister my parents they still have uh the accent but i, I had to get rid of it as a, as a kid because you know the peer pressure of trying to fit in and and sounding like an american was was uh huge you know as a, as a kid
0: did um so did you, do you like do you like rugby or football better
1: uh, I've grown to love football now because, you know, I've played it, you know, in, in my young adult, uh, ages and now my, my kids are getting into it. Um, but, uh, when I see, you know, rugby here in the States, uh, it's just different game. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's still a lot of learning to do in rugby here in uh, the States, but, um, I used to play, um, uh, uh, college ball for Idaho State University, so I did play rugby and football for the university. Um, but after that, uh, you know, it's all a touch for me.
0: Yeah, I I played one year of rugby out of college, and the thing here, I think I said it before on previous podcasts, that it is kind of expensive because you have three unions that you owe dues to, and as a college kid, you can't really afford it if you're good enough you get sponsored but that was back before we had major league rugby we used to have a thing called super league uh and it was very semi-pro some guys got paid some didn't we definitely had um each team had their ringers from the islands in there because i remember we played uh, old mission by the bay rugby club from san diego and they had a couple of fijians on there that were pretty fast
1: okay then, yeah, so I'm in Utah now. The rugby here in Utah is pretty good. A lot of international guys are coming up here and um, playing the game here, teaching others how to play here. But uh, ever since you know I played in Idaho, I kind of just stepped away from it because uh, you know the love of football I and mean, me playing. Uh, college football was 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 big for me and my family
0: yeah i i I still i try to find people to play touch with here it's not very big down here we have like one high school program and that encompasses all the high schools in saint george so it's more of a club but i'm you know i like playing rugby i think i'm going to stick my boy in it next year um but it's definitely something that you know islanders are are good at it's something that in football that's what we've always gravitated towards yeah definitely so let's talk about you know getting into college um how was that a big deal for your family yeah i was
1: actually the first in my family to go to college first ever graduate in college so um you know when my family moved from new zealand we basically came to the states with you know suitcases full of clothes we we had nothing um we moved into a subsidized housing in kalihi called kpt uh where my grandma lived and we all stayed in a three-bedroom apartment there was about 14 of us in the apartment and um you know that's that's kind of where we started off so uh a lot of the the things that my parents did and my grandma my aunts and uncles did for us as kids was to you know help us to go to college. So me and and a lot of my um, my cousins were able to go to college because of the sacrifices they made. But um, yeah, first to go to college in my family, first to graduate.
0: What did you major in?
1: You know, you know, I was a I was a, uh, I was a typical jock, and I went for the easy major as a social work. You know, <laughs> I, I thought it would be a good idea to. Serve my community, and you know, I actually made a career out of it. But um I should have went into business. I should have went into some kind of tech. Uh, it was what I was interested in at the time. But I took the easy route and played football and and hardly went to
0: school. Yeah, I, f- <laughs> I feel the same. I, I didn't play sports in college, but I got a. I, I followed my passion, which was history, so I got a degree in history, and I'm not using it. <laughs> So yeah. like, uh, you know, I'm working in a warehouse right now as a supervisor. So it's kind of, um, you know, it's one of those things that you wish you could take back, but it's already done. And I guess like I'm trying to use it through the podcast as far as bringing up historical facts and records and maybe some lessons for those in the future. Um, and you to meet, so your next, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, your next step as an elected official is a huge deal for somebody of a Polynesian background, especially in Idaho. Yeah. And yeah. to do that, as also as well, yeah, also as an immigrant, um, even though you were 12. To me, I think that shows um, how far we can go. You know. Yeah. Because you don't see a lot of Polynesian elected officials in the country. If they are, they're mainly in like, uh, California, Hawaii, um, yeah. maybe Utah, some maybe some parts of the Northwest where we're heavily yeah. populated. But to me, this is like a huge, a huge deal because you don't see a lot of it. And how yeah. how was that process for you? What made you want to do that?
1: Um, so really for me, I, I like I said, I graduated from Idaho State University with a social work degree, and then I started serving the community, and I the position that I was in was director of social services for the county in, in Idaho. And, um, you know, as, as a kid, I came to the country and I saw the bright lights. I saw the lights of, you know, this is something I can get. We always dr- drove around Hawaii Kai always drove around the nice homes and and just looking at them and seeing them i always thought to myself you know one day i'm going to have something like that one day i'm going to strive to to get something and make sure that my parents didn't sacrifice for nothing uh coming to the state so so it was always in me to try to um level up or or get a position that that was something better than i had already had so I was director of social services in the county, and, and my boss was an elected official. And when he retired, I was like, you know what, I can do this job. Let me, let me try and run for office. And, and I had a lot of help. There was actually a senator, uh, his name was Edgar Malakai and he was a state senator in, in Idaho. And he kind of led the way for me and helped me through the journey. And, you know, I ran, I was one of the youngest elected officials in Idaho, one of the only brown guys in the room of hundreds and hundreds of elected officials, city, state, federal, uh, and county. And you know what? My attitude was like, you know what? I can do this. I'm going to get it. I'm going to do it for my family. Um, I'm going to do it because, you know, my parents would be proud of me. And I, and I went through that journey. It was it was definitely one of the hardest things I've done. Um, I, I was able to do it and, and serve a, a term and a half
0: how was it an intimidating process to go through um, did you have to campaign for that um, what was that whole process like
1: yeah <laughs> yeah I had to, I had to do a lot of campaigning uh, because I was so young and because I was I was considered the newcomer in politics um, I had to my opponent was the, you know he was a uh, older Caucasian guy he's been in politics forever running against me i had to put on a campaign and brendan i tell you like i did not know anything about campaigning anything about politics i just thought to myself i want that position i'm gonna i think i can do you know be great in this position i know the the responsibilities i can do this right And, and that's really the attitude i had and when i won i finally figured out what the position really was and how much responsibility it came with but um going through the campaign process um just like every other polynesian in any town in america or in new zealand and australia we are welcoming people and people love us right yeah people people just flock to us people want to help us people like hanging around with us and that's what i did you know i I was very welcoming. I was very open to talk to a lot of people. You know, the missionaries of the LDS faith, I, I'm not LDS, but missionaries have really represented for our culture, for Polynesian culture and the world, right? Because yep. every home that I knocked on, every, every person that I, I talked to, they have run into some Polynesian missionary that has made an impact on their life. So they are represented out there for us. And, um, and it, was, it was one of the, the things that I could relate with, right? You know, hey, um, I, I served a mission with a Polynesian guy in Australia and we ate all the time. So I would invite people over for barbecues and have, you know, huge events. So it's definitely a, a first time experience campaigning. But at the end of it, you know, people had said, said this was one of the best campaigns things yeah. ever run in Southeast Idaho. So
0: how, yeah. How long were you in uh, public uh, public service for?
1: So I served a term and a half, so six years. Uh, prior to that, I was uh, always in government. I've always had a career in government and social services uh, on many of boards. So I was, I was always in government, but in that position, which was clerk of the district court, I was in that position for six years my responsibilities included um, every every office in the courtroom and the court um, house. Uh, I ran the county election, city election, state and federal. I was the comptroller, so all finances came through my office. I, I was the recorder, so any home that was sold or property that was sold was recorded in my office. So, you know, 60 plus employees, a $70 million budget. I had a lot of responsibility. Um, And so those experiences kind of led me to the next step in my life was, you know, becoming an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. And then um, did you have roadblocks as an elected official because of, you know, being Samoan or was it kind of something that was more that got got you in, um, uh, was making more people talk to you because they were curious?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, So, you know what? I could have took the route of, you know, I was the only brown guy, um, you know, not really feel sorry for me, but, you know, I could have t- taken that route, but um, I took the route of this is not my disadvantage. This is my advantage, Yeah, right? Because because when we went to conferences, there was 200 white people and me, mm-hmm. everybody knew me, right? Yeah. Everybody knew me because I was a 6'3", 300-pounder. Elected official, a Samoan guy, who everybody knew. Everybody knew my name by the end of the conference. I I, I confused myself with the rest <laughs> of these people because they they all look alike. So I used it to my advantage, and because of that, because I was so outspoken and I wasn't afraid to stand up and speak and sit, tell them what's on my mind, they put me, you know, in charge of things. They put me, uh, you know, the chair of many boards and and. So I used it to my advantage. You know, there was definitely places where I saw the eyes. I saw the eyes
0: yeah.
1: of who who the who the heck is this guy? You know, especially cuz I was brown and I was young. Yeah. When in, in Idaho, I was uh when I was elected I was 33 and most elected officials are in their 60s.
0: Yeah. That's how I kind of feel about down here in St. George. Um most elected officials, well we we've got a few um on on our city council, we got a few younger um, people this time, but a lot of them are in their, their, their fifties going into their sixties. And I I asked these questions because I've thought about running for our local city council. Um, You know, I've talked to uh, in the last podcast, I talked to um, Evan Takao about how, you know, the city doesn't really cater towards the university and some, um, the younger, the youth, to to provide, like, a safe outlet for them to, you know, there's, there's virtually no dance clubs down here. Um, okay. So doing it in a safe environment down here with insurance, security, and stuff like that, and getting somebody, I, I'm 38, so I'm not, you know, I'm not in my mid-40s or anything like that. You know, I still yeah. have, you know, uh, friends that are a lot younger than me. But to, you know, listen to that, and wanted to make a change so that's why i ask why like and i'm also curious about your journey about the elected official part
1: yeah i um, i, I definitely think age is is um not one of the the highlights of being an, coming a coming out becoming an elected official because you know a lot of people who are retiring have the time to campaign yeah have the time to go to these meetings and you know if you have a full-time job it's tough right you can't campaign have a full-time job and a family that's why young people don't really do it however it's the best time for young people to get in into these positions because you kind of mold your community and what you want it to be
0: yeah and down here we're growing pretty rapidly and uh you know more people are coming in from out of state and the university is growing and you know it's just gonna it's just gonna get bigger down here and you're gonna have more diversity of people and you know we moved here because we like the way it is but we want to see a positive growth and if we're going to grow we might as well help control that growth
1: Yeah. yeah Well, it's a good time for you to, to run for office, my friend. <laughs>
0: yeah, I got to talk to my wife about it first. <laughs> She'll probably hear about it on the podcast first.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good point. So along this journey, um, my, wife and I, my wife and I have been together since college. Um, I made sure before every move I made that I, I got the green light from my wife to move forward, right? Because really, it's, it is a partnership and... When you're gone, I was when I was an elected official, I was gone all the time. My wife was basically a single mom and I was always at conferences. I was always um, at events or running elections or doing something. I was always coming home late. And so my wife um, really took over the household and made sure the kids got to all the sports, the school, did everything in the home and she ran out business, too. So. Um, yeah. Make sure you get the green light from your wife. Yeah.
0: Uh, how many kids you have? I
1: have four kids, uh, 12, 10, six and one.
0: Okay. I got four, two. So yeah. Um, so let's transition into your next part is becoming an entrepreneur and an inventor. And let me say congratulations on getting your trademark. I oh, appreciate that. I saw that post. That's that's a pretty big deal. So now you own two patents and a trademark.
1: Yep. Yeah. I uh, I've been trying to figure out if there's any other Polynesian inventors in the U.S. There might be some in Europe or in New Zealand, Australia, or in the Pacific. But I I've been looking and looking to see if there's any polynesian inventors in the u.s so if you find out if there's
0: one let me know i'm pretty uh, sure there is I'm, I'm hoping that they you know eventually that they can hear through this podcast hope this podcast grows i know my audience is very small right now but i hope it grows and this is like one of the reasons to start is to start this network um of just polynesians who do great things who own businesses, who are artists, who are creatives, so that we can start networking together and start, like, having each other's backs and have, like, uh, like um, a Polynesian business association, that type of deal.
1: Okay. Yeah, so I've become an inventor, and, you know, especially an entrepreneur. I, the story of me even diving into this was, uh, I, I was pretty... Um, Unimaginable experience. I um, when I was an elected official, well, I was sitting at my desk, and you know it was probably year four, year five, and I had made tons of changes in my community, and I felt like you know I I would need to either run for a state or federal position or do something else. I couldn't just sit there in the position until I was sixty and retire. I knew that there was something else out for you know for me, so. I, I'm a guy with ideas, I write down my ideas, pages and pages of ideas. And um, one day I I went through the the list and I saw this toilet seat idea that I had. Never been in the restroom industry. And I figured, you know what, no one has made any changes um, in the restroom industry. I'm gonna try this. And so I I went and filed for a patent uh, in 2015 and in 2018, the USPTO issued my first pen. And so I decided to apply for the show Shark Tank. And um, I go on the show. I actually, I actually go and pitch to the producers. Out of 42,000 companies, I make it. And um, I, lied, I lied on my application. I had said that I will, on the first page of the application, it says, you are not allowed to be an elected official running for office while on this network. So I lied, and uh, they found out about it, and they gave me an ultimatum. They said, Rob, you either quit your job, um, or you can't come on the show. So, so in a week's time, I quit my job. I said, you know what, I'm going to quit, and I'm just going to take this patent and my first prototype on Shark Tank and see if I make it. And um, So I quit my job, and uh, it was a good-paying job, great salary, great benefits, government job. To go on Shark Tank, and two weeks before I go on the show, the producers call me and say, "Hey Rob, um, we're sorry, we found another restroom company that has sales. You know, you're you're really new, fresh. You don't have sales. You just have a prototype. Um, you know, keep in touch, but you can't come on the show this oh, year."
0: Oh no! So,
1: so they quit me and they uh, they cut me. And um, you know, one of the the first you know punches in the gut on this journey. Of uh, trying to become an entrepreneur, and um, you know that's how I that's how I quit my job and, and kind of transition full time into going, in, you know, with this idea of uh, sanitizing toilet seats. But um, you know, looking back and everything that's happened, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Right at the time, I I felt, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I quit my job. I don't have anything. But now, looking back, three years later best thing that could ever have happened. I would never have gone 100% with this company. I wouldn't have never had the guts to go on my own. And uh, things, are, things are going pretty well for me. So, yeah.
0: Um, what was the... Um, so the idea came... So you're th- flipping through your book, and then you had this idea... What's the next step?
1: So, th- the this is the plan that I set forth. I had the idea. I went to Home Depot and I got all the supplies that I needed to make my first prototype. So, I went and got toilet seats, I went and got sprinkler heads, I went and got all these um, you know tubings, and I put together this prototype just to see the concept of it. And I sanitizer coming out of the seat so that someone could sanitize the seat and it worked right and after i saw it work and after i showed my wife and my family my parents and my brother's and sisters, you know and they they kind of confirmed oh this is a good idea then i went and applied for a pen and i took it slow you know in 2015 i applied for the pen and i i didn't get it until 2018 and i I kind of took it slow because I didn't know if I was going to get the pen or not, and I wasn't going to spend any more money filing for this pen if I didn't get it. And, and so those were the first two steps. And after I got the pen, then I then I started to go. I better get into it. I already spent about thirty grand on my own money trying to get this this pen, and um, and so that's kind of the first two steps on 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 the invention
0: and then from there it was just trial and error
1: well from there i went and found my manufacturer right okay. i found i found somebody to design the CAD work design um you know how this utility works right a dispenser mm-hmm. inside of a seat with a cartridge with a dispensing mechanism so i went and designed it first um and then uh, i made my first trip over to china to uh find my manufacturer and uh when, once I found the manufacturer and once I found out, you know, how much it would cost, how much, you know, mold it costs, um, thereafter, I went and raised money. I went and raised about $650,000 from local investors in Idaho and Utah, and uh, then I launched the company.
0: And how, um, how was the, was, was that an easy process? I'm not, was it an easy process finding the manufacturer? Um, did you have to visit a lot of them over there, and then yeah. getting it shipped back over here? How like it's got it's probably like a stressful process.
1: <laughs> it, granted, it's the, the hardest thing I've ever done in my <laughs> life. Like it is like the, the because China um, the time zones are different. I'm up till three or four o'clock in the morning with China, going back and forth. I definitely, you know the logistics of them being across the ocean. The shipping now is, has gone up, so it has definitely been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I've I've done a lot of things in my life, and this has been the hardest.
0: So, but, what, um, go ahead.
1: I go ahead. No, go ahead.
0: Uh, so where do you, where did you go from here?
1: Um, so after found the manufacturer, after I launched the company, and we have. Uh, Units in the market, you know, we definitely went through um, some R&D and finding a fit for our product in the market, but now we're in uh, hospitals, airports, arenas, Um, and so we we started in Utah and Idaho, and, um, you know, we've made a pretty good name for ourselves in Utah and Idaho, and this month we're launching nationwide, and um, really our focus is getting in high-traffic restrooms like airports uh arenas hospitals uh where where people are trying to be cleaner in yeah. restrooms. people are trying to sanitize and the ultimate goal is to get rid of the paper toilet they cover those yeah you know, they don't work they're ineffective they're absorbent, so they, they've been a psychological thing the whole time
0: yeah and this product makes perfect sense because public restrooms are disgusting yeah, they know yeah, they are uh, nobody cares. Yeah. they're not their bathroom. They don't care if they clog it up or whatever. So to yeah. me this is this sounds like the perfect product um, in the direction you guys are going. Um, is there so nationwide, and is there any, like, are you trying to, are you just focused on this right now? Or are you trying to come up with another product or is this like taking all your focus or you got your ideas going in your head?
1: Yeah, I definitely have, um, tons of ideas. I'm, I am definitely, a, a creator and, um, I, I have multiple projects that I think, you know, will happen once I, once I exit from this company once I sell this company to, um, a large restroom company, but, um, yeah, I, I, am focused on washing. then it, it is, it is the hardest thing you have to commit a hundred percent of your time, you know, to launch a company, you know, the grid and, and I'm being like a cockroach and never dying is, is, is the struggle now. Right. Cause
0: yeah. you
1: know, a lot of startups die. Uh, I think only 5% of startups make it to the market. So, um, so just going through that process and, and getting our product out there uh, has been really hard. So just focus on Washi and then, and then other products will come later.
0: Has this made, um, so has this led to a lot of public speaking engagements to where you can go tell your story?
1: Oh yeah. Tons, you know, any, it helps with uh, PR. Yeah. Um, I, uh, Everyone wants to know, you know, why I invented this thing. Everyone wants to know why I'm one of the only brown entrepreneurs in startups and tech. We, our, our, our seat is also the first smart toilet seat for public question. Okay. So it does have a tech component to it. And so when we go to these tech conferences, when we are um, pitching it at, at investors, investors. Uh, uh, with investing in communities, you know I'm the only brown guy, and people yeah. want to know what are you doing, right? So yeah. it's definitely has, has uh, given me a platform to tell my story and um, and be unique. I'm selling toilets, so that's unique yeah. in itself, right?
0: Yeah. Would these ever be available for like home use?
1: Yeah. So we will come out with a residential model, uh, but right now we're focused on a problem yeah. which is public restrooms, right?
0: Yeah. Major uh, problem.
1: everyone everyone knows that okay everyone they hate paper toilet seat covers they don't like using public restrooms but if you're in an airport you have to use their restroom there's no getting around it before or after a flight so we are we're trying to attack that and um and solve that problem
0: well uh i'd like to thank you for coming on is there anything else you'd like to plug
1: um, yeah, so in the beginning you said that you um, are not uh, too active on LinkedIn. Yeah. LinkedIn has been a place for me to really grow my audience, um, really grow a following, and especially for entrepreneurs, especially for business professionals that are Polynesian. So I would uh, recommend and advise those who are trying to get in business, those are trying to you know, level up somehow to get on your LinkedIn profile and uh, be active on there. I have gotten so many leads, so many opportunities from uh, LinkedIn fortune 500 companies have contacted me through LinkedIn to discuss um, opportunities with my company. So I, I would recommend anyone that, that is listening to your podcast, get your LinkedIn game up, um, go and watch the Gary V linkedin strategy that's I love what i use Gary v. Um, yeah and so his his linkedin strategy is what i use and it works so um uh, yeah. so yeah so get get on your linkedin game
0: yeah i've never so i've i've had a linkedin i've had linkedin for a while and i just never knew how to use it and i was like ah what do i need it for but i've cuz i connected with you on linkedin we didn't we never communicate we communicate through instagram and email but um I urge so there's a post that you published 2 years ago and it's called the Polynesian American dream. I urge yeah. any listeners to go read that. I think it's very um you know it it get, I think it gives people hope. It gives you it gives people uh it gives our people a, a look at what's possible, you know. Yeah. We can't I, my big thing is so I'm off Akasi of so nobody like re, like I never really you know felt sometimes I didn't feel like part of the community or this and that but like as you get older you start to you know find yourself as part of the community Um, but to see that we are more than what people just perceive us as like you said like you know it worked for you because you're the only brown guy there so that made you unique and you used it to your advantage Thing. So, and you know, we need more entrepreneurs, elected officials, inventors, artists, and I think that your post gives hope to that and your and like your the um your examples that you've had through your life. Yeah.
1: Um my uh my kids are are Afghansi too. My my wife is uh white and so my kids are Afkasi and they were raised Two of them were born in Hawaii, but they're basically raised in Idaho. And um, moving to Utah, now seeing a lot of Polynesian faces, they're they're finally figuring out, you know, oh, I'm Polynesian. Yeah, they, there's Polynesian kids at my school. There was no Polynesian kids at their schools, right? Yeah. So they didn't really know uh, what Polynesian kids were, but now that they're hanging out with Polynesian kids, and they're like, oh, there's so many similarities, so many things that we've done that they. They can relate to and so the message in that article is that i mean the blood is in you and yep. and we we uh, are known for sports we kn- are known for like being big people but what people don't know is that we're known for being leaders like if you look yeah. at the church that most most polynesians or a lot of polynesians are leaders in church but they're not leaders in business and i think that it is the same thing they can become leaders in business as they are leaders way back when when we were uh uh, you know in the pacific voyaging the pacific um becoming innovators and inventors i know that Polynesians created many things and it was picked up by you know caucasians or uh, europeans um so we we were the ultimate inventors and voyagers and leaders it's already announced so so that article kind of explains you know um how, how we can be more than just athletes. We're, uh, we're also leaders in, in our communities and, and innovators as well.
0: Yeah, and you're starting to see that resurgence in Hawaii with a lot of the um, Native movements, um, of a lot of them actually taking taking hold of political office and stuff like that. And it's it's good to see that happen. I just want it to happen out here in the mainland a lot more And hopefully people will hear this and they'll get out there and they'll decide to run or, you know, take like a lot of it, it has to do with insecurities. You know, you don't know, you're not, you don't know what, what's going to happen unless you take that, that first step, unless you take a chance. So, you know, we got to get rid of those insecurities. We got to get out there and just do it. I, you know, I listened to a Gary Vee podcast today and the guy was just making up all these excuses of why he wasn't starting his podcast. Gary V was like, no, 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 stop. Just do it. Don't say you're going to do it. Just put the, like, you don't need all the fancy equipment. Like, when I started this podcast, I was like, no, I gotta have all the fancy equipment. I, you know, I kind of yeah. splurged on my equipment, but the I could have done it with my phone. Just, to, like, yeah. don't worry about the quality. If the message is there, the people will listen. Yeah.
1: So... I, uh, funny thing, I also listened to that today. And uh, I, I... The guy was making tons of excuses, yeah. but, you know, along with, <laughs> along with, uh, insecurities, ego, ego is everything yeah. too, right? Yeah. Ego is everything. You, uh, trying to impress your family, trying to impress your friends, not wanting to look like a fool in front of your family. And, you know, me sounding a toilet seat, duh, the biggest ego from being an elected official now selling toilet seats has been the biggest ego, you know, pop of my life, but sometimes you gotta own it right yeah door for me is gonna open many doors so uh you know just doing me
0: is there is there any books or like you said podcast like gary v or it could be anybody who you would recommend that anybody read or listen to
1: yeah so i mean gary v's book that just came out 12 and a half um and then i i listened to um a lot of uh, et the hip-hop preacher so et the hip-hop preacher is my motivation when i need some motivation i'm struggling i go listen to some of his stuff on youtube and then when i need business advice um i go listen to gary v uh those are the two main that i live that that i'm i always have on but the one podcast that that is on um always playing on my on my uh earpods is how i built this with guy raz and it's a it's the stories of all entrepreneurs from uh, Spanx to Airbnb to uh, Dyson. They all come on the show and um, and explain the story of how they became entrepreneurs. And, you know, I've connected with this, all of their stories. I'm going through the same thing that they went through. So um, how I built this with Guy Raz.
0: Yeah, which brings me to another thing. I think we need one of the, like, either you or another Polynesian, business leader to step up and write a book
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know we're all evolving um you know a lot of people in uh a lot of polynesians in new zealand and australia you know you see a lot of doctors you see a lot yeah. of um, politicians you see a lot of people in in high places in the states we're evolving there it's getting there so um we, we definitely need to get people in writing and Creative book yeah, because
0: so. I really like the model that they have going on over there, where you see a lot of Polynesian network networks and shows geared towards Polynesians. Um, I definitely feel that we should have something like that here, um, and hopefully in the future we'll get it. Um, you know, I, I always I used to just TikTok a lot. But there is a lot of creatives on there that bring a lot to the table as far as yeah. you know, Polyne- like education about Polynesian culture, Polynesian art, Polynesian style, st- anything that has to do with Polynesian culture. I think that social media is our gateway to that and hopefully that that gateway will lead to a lot of networking between a lot of these creatives so that we can get networks like, so we can get like, it, it doesn't have to be, it could be a YouTube network, start off small. And then, you know, there's a lot of great filmmakers that are in Hawaii that do a lot of short films. You know, if we can get one great, you know, Polynesian epic, like, it can be from any era. You know, I think that would be something great to see on the big screen.
1: Yeah. No, I definitely agree with it.
0: But I know you're a busy man. Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on. I will link all of your socials on the instagram post um but again thank you for coming on thank you for taking the time out. i know you're very busy um you know being a ceo and running your company um again thank you is there anything you'd like to leave everybody with
1: no um just uh, just a last thought uh, brandon i uh, appreciate you having me on the show um and if anybody is uh, wanting to know more about the process of becoming an official inventor um, and, and filing for patents and um, and for um, any anything that involves manufacturing or creating, uh, just contact me through LinkedIn. I'm always here to help.
0: All right. Thank you for being on. Thank you for everybody listening. Uh, we'll you'll hear from us next time.